for Truth with a Texas Twang, Fireside Talk Radio, the show where women ponder the things we store in our hearts. Host Kathy Carafi invites experts to talk openly about what women care about, like how to create lifelong companionship, dealing with mental illness in our families, bullying at school, and many others. You name it, we talk about it. Listen in now as Kathy helps us find answers to our most tender questions. Welcome to Camp Crafty's Fireside Talk Radio, where our goal is to ponder over all the tried and true stuff we women store away in our hearts as we knit our families together in lifelong fellowship. Our favorite verse on this show is that Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, Luke 2.19. And we want to thank Home Instead Senior Care. They provide trustworthy, kind-hearted senior home care services in your loved one's home. At Home Instead, it's about providing the highest quality home care services to fit you and your family's needs. Well, I am so excited about today's show. Anna, welcome. Hi, Mom. This is awesome. I'm really excited about our topic. I've been thinking about mentioned it. I love it. I'm, I'm going to throw this to, I lo- okay, our topic today is do-it-yourself curriculum, and we are talking about how to inspire that wonderful le- self-learning drive that some children just seem to come by naturally, and others we have to kind of coach them that direction. So we're going to talk about how to create kind of an analytical mind in the life of your child and what that means. And we're really, really excited about the definition of analytical in our life and what that can mean for our kids. Anna, um, I'm a little concerned about your mic. Roy, I'm just going to toss that to you to notice if Anna's mic is too hot. And other than that, we're going to just keep right on talking. So, Anna, I'm going to ask you a question about this. Do you want to share the definition of analytical or do you want me to? Oh, you go for it. Okay. Our definition of analytical is willing to forego personal glory, identifying the best ways to serve others. Isn't that a great definition of analytical? I am so excited how it ties into my own experience in the classroom with junior high and high school kids. This is just just thrilling to me. (laughs) Well, of course, if people don't know, you have a calling from God to be a teacher on it. So obvious in your life. So that's pretty exciting. So share more. Tell us more. Okay. So one of the things about being a fine arts teacher is grades. They're so difficult because art is very subjective in what people like or don't like. But one of the things that comes out of needing to communicate how to improve in a fine art is a thing called critique, where you analyze the artwork produced, whether that is music or, you know, written word, poetry, or in my case, visual arts, and you teach students, and it's, it is critique is what drives creativity in a classroom. And it, it's, wow. I see it with my kids, too. They want feedback. And so when you get good feedback, feedback that is productive, that is about how you can improve, about what is fabulous and unique about what you've made, that it makes you desire to create more and to make more things and to make better things. It's just so thrilling to me, this idea that foregoing personal glory, and that's the thing that what it, 
wanting personal glory is what makes us afraid of critique, in, for me at least. Um, and identifying the best way to serve others, those tie in so well to that idea of critique and how it stimulates creativity. I just love this definition of, it, of analytical. I do too. And I, I think it came out of my understanding of how, uh, so I wrote this quote. I want to see if you recognize who said this, if I can find it. I have it written here somewhere. Um, where did I put that? Oh my goodness. I lost one of my favorite quotes. Okay. Doctors are analytical thinkers who make investigative, investigative, oh, excuse me. Doctors are analytical thinkers who make, who investigate symptoms make diagnosis, then formulate treatments. So moms of analytical kids can rejoice. Every doctor was some mom's critical child. <laughs> That's awesome. I like the word critical in there because I myself am often afraid of criticism. But over the years, I've started overcoming that fear where I want to get defensive when people criticize me and shut down because of the idea of critique and how it drives my artwork to be better and how it's thrilling to engage with someone else in a conversation about what we've made. You know, that's so true. And, and I think I see it more and more with all the books I've been writing. And every editor that gets their hands on one of my books just makes it better. I mean, they just catch things. And you think after you've had one editor go over it that you're done, and then the next editor comes along and they – add something so priceless to the, to the project that you just, you just are so grateful that you didn't get through the project without that additional editor and books take anywhere from four to five editors to get through the process. So a crazy thing. I know. I mean, it's really, it's almost embarrassing to put one name on the front cover. I, I hate to even cr take credit for the books I've written because I know all these other people were so engaged behind the scenes to make them very, very excellent. So I've really learned to appreciate their analysis. I, I truly love it. And, and it's making books that are better for the reader, which is the whole point. And, and that's why I like this analytical is being willing to forego personal glory, identifying the best ways to serve others. I mean, that is really what an editor does. If you're a writer, you know exactly what I mean. Editors forego personal glory in order to serve the reader and also the author. So that that's just very cool, isn't it? And and they're, and foregoing per personal glory, but then also giving something of themselves. Creative ideas when you brainstorm with someone and give them your critique, your feedback. Those ideas you give them have value, and they are like a gift. I mean, in some ways, sometimes you're paying an editor, but even still, it's an idea you didn't have. It has such great value. So not just foregoing personal glory, but then also giving something of yourselves, not just serving a broader community with what you've analyzed, but also the project itself. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Okay, so speaking of that, when I got one – one of the when I was looking up quotes, I got one from Quentin Tarantino, which I think is so funny because he's, you know, this great Hollywood producer guy who and not really is, your genre. <laughs> no, not really. I'm more of a Hallmark movie girl, but and his stuff is pretty bloody and and I know that's sometimes humorous, but for me, it's just I'm just too little uh -huh. for that. It is, 
It is avant-garde for sure, I would say. Yeah, but I love this because he really gets it. I think this is kind of the opposite side. And when you're a mom of an analytical child, this is what you run into. When He says, when I'm writing something, I try not to get analytical about it as I'm doing it, as I'm writing it. And I think we, as people that are creative, we all run into that. We get so analytical that we forget. We just need to create and then go back and clean it up. So anyway, I loved his quote because I think that's great advice when you're a mom of a creative child. Sometimes you just need to let them create. And and even if they get too cre- critical, you kind of need to point them in that direction of, yeah, I mean, this is a process. We're not done yet. It's okay to work on it a little longer. And Change it if you want to tomorrow, but today let's just enjoy the process. So I I love love that. I love what your dad said to us when we were going, when my siblings and I were going off to college, and you quoted this to us over the years again, which is why I can remember it. He told us to pick a degree, any degree, and go for it. Rather than trying to think about it forever and missing our opportunity or picking the perfect degree and worrying if we'd gotten the perfect degree, he said, pick a degree a specific degree, go for it with everything you've got. And then if, if you find a different opportunity or you find something that fits better, when you change tacks, when you tacked and change the direction you're headed, you'll have something to show for what you just did for the past. And I, I really appreciate that advice so much. It was very freeing advice. Rather than worrying about picking the perfect thing, I was able to invest myself fully in the opportunity in front of me and appreciate it. Well, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today, speaking of school, is do-it-yourself curriculum, because we did that. One of the one of the challenges I had with you girls is, y'all, when I was homeschooling you both at the same time, along about junior high, you were so different in your personalities. Like, for, for you, Anna, you could not wait to analyze a whole series of Shakespeare plays when you were just a junior high kid. But with Ellen, it seemed like Every curriculum I pulled for her, just it just didn't hit the spot. And I got so frustrated, and she was brilliant, and especially in science. I had a hard time keeping up with her because it's not my forte. But uh, anyway, so at one point I just said, you know what, Ellie, I just want you to create your own curriculum. Let's go to the store. You can buy any book that we agree on. I'll let you pick it out, and then you can write the curriculum. You can write the tests. You can write the the you know, whatever you want to pull together to teach somebody else about your subject. So she pulled a book about birds. And I mean, she created this wonderful, she had quizzes and tests and lesson plans and activities. And that was, instead of studying somebody else's curriculum that year, she created her own. And that worked so well for us. Do you remember that? I vaguely remember it. What I do remember the book. I could, I could probably go to the bookstore right now and pick it out. What I, I had a similar experience teaching. You learn so much better when you teach. I am yeah. so much better an artist than I was eight or nine years ago before I had taught tons of children this over and over again. When you have to answer in order to communicate it to someone else, you're just more thorough. Like it, it just allows the information to seep into your a different part of your brain. Well, Anna, I'm going to, um, we're going to talk about that some more when we come back. I want to be sure and tell people we have all these great books coming out, like The Well, The Art of Authentic Conversation, Drawing Out, excuse me, The Well, The Art of Drawing Out Authentic Conversation. And then the other one that is, I call the marriage book, The Art 
a, the gentle art of companionship. Ah, communicating your way to a delightful marriage. Sometimes I can't remember my own titles. And then we have <laughs> we have the Abba's Answers, and you and I are working on one for kids that involves character quality. So there's a lot happening. You can find us at Kathy Crafty, C-A-T-H-Y-K-R-A-F as in Frank, V as in Victor, E as in Edward.com. And if you go there, you will get, uh, you can sign up for our weekly blogs and you'll get all this great stuff. So let's go to break. But when we come back, we've got some more to talk about. So stay tuned for more adventures as we talk about the things women store and ponder in their hearts. More truth with a Texas twang when we return. You ought to see my blue-eyed Sally. She lives way down on Shimbone Alley. The number on the gate and the number on the door in the next house over is a grocery store. Hi, this is Kathy. As women, we have a lot to ponder, but even the toughest topics are easier when we open up authentically and share our tenderest wisdom with each other. During this break, I want to mention a special way you can help other women. You can sign up for our blog and share it with your friends. Our podcasts are designed to create tools to talk about the toughest topics at home or at work. You can help by going to Kathy Crafty, C-A-T-H-Y-K-R-A-F as in Frank, V as in Victor, E as in Edward, dot com. We hope you love sharing these conversational adventures as much as we love bringing in experts to tell their stories and share their wisdom. Truth with a Texas twang spoken here. My parents are getting older and I want to be there to help. But sometimes I spend more time taking care of them than my own family. It's starting to put pressure on my marriage, and I feel like I'm ignoring my kids. My parents need help. I need help. My mom wants to stay at home, but she honestly can't handle it on her own anymore. I've been taking care of her, but I just want to be her daughter again. I know mom feels the same way. I'm not sure where to turn. If you're struggling to care for your parents, you're not alone. Home Instead Senior Care can help. With personalized service and a personal touch, our caregivers will help your parents stay in the place they call home. Home Instead Senior Care. To us, it's personal. to thank our generous sponsors for making these candid conversations possible at Fireside Talk Radio, where we talk openly about the things women store and ponder in their hearts, where truth and Texas twang meet. Hey, welcome back. When we left, we were talking about the advantage of The ability to think analytically when it comes to being creative people, as so many children really are off the charts in their creativity. But I don't want to forget, Anna, to talk a little bit about this other big benefit. Can you guess what it is? Probably not. (laughs) Well, the the, creative brain yourself, Mom. (laughs) I mean, you you would almost have to read my mind, but but you do that sometimes, so that's why I toss it to you. True. Um, analytical the ability to analyze 
also gives us this really great capacity to think in analytically and critically so that we don't just get swept up with every foolish idea that comes across our culture. But this is really important. We're living in times when people are presenting very um, destructive and unhealthy ideas out there. And so to be able to analyze where an idea will take us as a culture and, and to make wise decisions about whether that's where we even want to go. So essentially practicing analytical thinking can strengthen your truth filter. Your truth. Yeah. Your truth filter. That's like right. You use, you use things that you know for sure are true as a filter to compare everything, new information to, I know this is true. How does that look next to this new idea? And if you practice analytical thinking, your, your truth filter is strengthened so that you recognize things that are true. That's so interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way, but that's a good makes point. Sense. Yeah, I haven't either I, until just now, but listening to your definition and, and talking about it in the context of curriculum, which is it's important to pick curriculums that are true. And how do you figure that out? Well, I know that's really a good point. And I think it's especially essential now because we've got all this stuff coming at us from social media where everybody's opinion, everybody's opinion is disguised as their truth. But really, there are some things in life that are factual and some things that are more uh, moral codes. And I believe my moral code is a good basis for truth. But uh, I'm a human. And, and you know what I said to you kids all along is God is all-knowing. Mom is not. So there's room or, for... Uh-huh. My favorite, it was a motto when you're on our... I mean, you printed on like business cards for us, I think, even that we just made at home on our little home first home computer. But it said truth. At first you said truth can stand scrutiny. And then I think you printed that off, looked at it and went, no, wait, 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 that's too complicated. And then you went back and you put truth stands scrutiny. Yeah, I think that's a pretty famous quote. I don't remember who said that first, but like some ancient philosopher probably <laughs> probably but i've always kind of clung to that because it frees me up to ask good questions and to be free to analyze things and not be afraid to ask the hard questions well, i've always is... loved that idea you're it okay so you know me and my quote so i pulled about i don't know five or six but it's interesting you mentioned that about questioning you're in good company on it here's one <laughs> the important thing is not to stop questioning Curiosity has its own reason for existing. Albert oh, Einstein. God. Isn't of that course. a great one? Yeah. That's a great one. And I love anything he says because he was such a wise person. When you read his material and all the quotes out there from him, here was this genius guy, but he had such a great heart as well. So I love to quote him. Uh, Albert Einstein said that. Well, thinking about that makes me remember, I've, I've been watching you do this with your kids, sweetie. You are so good at helping them analyze. Like, Would you like to just share briefly how you think about that? Because I see you doing it really well with my grandbabies. It's like asking someone, uh, what's your most embarrassing moment? And they're like, uh, uh, I know I do embarrassing things all the time, and you just can't think of a story. <laughs> I know that I give them... I guess my goal is always to give them choices. That's exactly um, what you do. And so in that sense, because I'm trying to give them choices, even if the choice is something simple like, 
like I actually did this for my nieces and nephews today. I said, who do you want to be? Do you want to be the person kind, no matter what is thrown at them? And I mean, I'm watching them think. And of course, that's true. I know this child, she wants to be kind, no matter what is thrown at her. That's the core of who she is. Yeah. And so she's, she's thinking about her last interaction with her siblings in light of that. And then I turned to the other one and asked them a question, same kind of question, because, because they are amazing people. And sometimes yeah. when you just put that choice, like a mirror, I love the, I love the parts in scripture where it talks about seeing in a mirror. If you just put a question up in front of someone, it's like a mirror and they get to see themselves and go, Oh, and that little, little tiny, short little analytical process happens. And it, it's just so good. Kids are so instinctive. They, those sweet, wonderful kids, my own children, they know who they want to be. And, yeah. but it, you know, in the yeah. moment, it's so hard not to be selfish. That's always my temptation. It's always my temptation. And One thing I, I love about comfortable children. And selfish. Oh, sorry. <laughs> One thing I love about children is you can ask them, is that who you want to be? Do you want to be kind? And they'll tell you no sometimes. <laughs> oh, well, that happens too. Just because they understand what the choice is and, and they really, yeah. They're very, they're very honest yes. about stuff, which I love yes. that about little kids. They're so cute in that way and so refreshing. Well, and sometimes they will analyze it. They've got that great capacity to think that's sort of unfettered at that point when they're so young. Um, another one that I, I've seen I you love do to that. Offer choices. I've also seen you ask really great questions, which is kind of what you just gave us as, as an example, where you ask them, "What kind of person do you want to be?" You're giving them a choice, but you're also asking a great question. So, of course, it's one kind of the of things a rhetorical I love... question because that dear one has already chosen that. I mean, it's so obvious in her life. So, I, was, yeah. I really was like a mirror. I'm just reminding her: this is what you look like. Remember, this is what you look like. This is what you've chosen. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, another one I love with my toddlers. I'll look at my daughter or my son, whichever one it is, who's clinging to the possession, the toy. And I'll say, which one do you love more, your brother or that toy? And sometimes they'll kind of look at me and I can see if they're about to make a poor choice because they just really don't want to say what's true. I say, okay, but which one is going to play with you? Which one is going to comfort you? Really, truly, which one do you love more? Not not just the easy answer here that I see you thinking about making. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're so sweet. I love I really love it. I love how patient you are with the, the kids. It's such a blessing to your dad and I. We watch you and we're just marvel because we were never that patient with you kids. And yet y'all are just doing that with your own children so well. It's so beautiful for us to watch. Thank you for that. Um, definitely in the seeds of what Drew and I, what my dear husband and I got growing up. It, we are so fortunate to have shoulders to stand on family-wise. Well, I tell you, we were doing the best we could, but there was room for improvement. So it's really fun Isn't to see how y'all tweet every generation. all that. That, that is I'm so sorry. true. That is just so true. <laughs> What's, I'm sorry, I missed what you said. It's just true of every generation. What you just said is exactly the way I feel. Yeah, we're doing the best we can. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. And I messed up, and hopefully my kids will do better. Yeah, they probably will. I, I used to think that was a, kind of a cop-out when my parents would say it, and now I think they did do the best they could. I mean, that was hard work they were doing, especially in that era of time. So mm -hmm. sometimes you just have to kind of understand the generation, what they faced in the context of their culture, too. 
when you so, don't, when you say it, just so you know, Mom, when you say it, I don't hear a cop out. I hear the opposite. It's it's not quite a brag, but it's like an acknowledgement of the goodness of God. I get yeah. to do better than you as a parent yeah. because of the work you invested in me. And I hope, I pray, it's my one of my great hopes in life that my children get to do better than I did because of the way I have gotten into investing in them. Well, I love the way you're teaching them to think about what their decisions are and to be very intentional. Now, on that note, and thinking about our own culture and how it's getting swept away with weird ideas all the time, um, I got this one from Desmond Tutu, who is a really high quality of person to want to emulate, you know. He said, my father used to say, don't raise your voice, improve your argument. And, of course, oh, that's a good he, doesn't, he doesn't mean being argumentative. He just means your logic. When you're explaining mm-hmm. your, your thoughts and what you believe is true to other people, don't talk louder. Instead, explain more graciously and more creatively and thoroughly what you're trying be to do. Be more efficient, as my husband would say. Just be more efficient. Figure out the words that will best communicate the concept. Analyze who they are. Analyze what they're, they will hear best and then communicate. Wow, your husband's so good at that, too. He's so good he at getting fabulous. Speaking of the word anal- uh, analytical, he's so good at analogies, which I guess have got to be related to being analytical. I think it's a higher thought process, personally. Jesus did analogies so well, and Drews are hilarious. He's compared yeah. me to some things that should be insulting, and he totally got away with it because he's just so good at it. <laughs> he is good. He's, a, so he's a master. He's a master analytical thinker and analogy maker. We're going to run out of time. I want to close. Anna, thanks for being with me today. You know, every time we talk, I learn something new. And you're the kid, and I'm supposed to be the parent. But obviously, <laughs> that, is all, that whole dynamic is behind us, and now we're just friends. So I'm so grateful for you in my life. And I want to remind all our listening friends, if you've been listening in, we, we just love you. And we're so encouraged that you're wanting to raise awesome kids, analytical thinkers who won't be swept away by the silly ideas that come across our culture every now and then, but they'll be steadfast, uh, wise people who do consider what is best for others and make that their life's ambition. So we're just proud of you, really proud of you. And we, we're so, we know you're behind the scenes foregoing your own personal glory to do that. So we want to commend you and remind you, you can go to Kathy Crafty, K-R-A-F is in Frank, V is in Victor, E is in Edward.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter. And it's, it's a blog. It's just free. And in it, you'll get all these great things from Anna, plus all the interviews we do on Fireside Talk Radio come to you with all the hyperlinks and everything. Plus, eventually I'll get organized and I'll get those books on some great pages with links for them, too. So you can find all the great stuff that we are inviting other people to join us in this process of communicating great ideas for better companionship, better fellowship, better community and sweeter, kinder, more loving family. So we just love you. We want you to know that you're very special to us. Anything else in 10 seconds or less, sweet Anna? Not that I can think of, but you know, anytime we end these, I just, my favorite thing to do in the world is to laugh with you, mom. That's what I would hope for listeners, that they get to laugh a lot together with their kids. (laughs) Nice. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today where we speak truth with a Texas twang about the very things that touch our hearts. 
Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you again next week. Oh, fellas. Got in.